Launch Director NTD, our launch team is ready to proceed at this time. Welcome back. Episode 62 is on the clock, and these are the Journeyman Chronicles. We call that JMC, where I'm from. Where are you from? And my name is Felix C. Arroyo. I am the Journeyman. Who else you know got a name like that? Nobody except me. Anyway, I digress. Because this isn't about me. This is about us. That's what this podcast is. I'm talking to everyday people from Lancaster City, Lancaster County, Central Pennsylvania, the surrounding area, 717. Hello. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a journey. And that's what this podcast is focusing on because I want to get to know different people and learn about what they've gone through and what they've had to do to go from A to B to still stand. So I'm talking to people that are doing big things. I'm talking to people that are doing very private things. They're just living their life. You know, I mean, they they probably weren't even thinking about being on a podcast and shit. You're probably watching this right now, not realizing that you may even be on the Journeyman Chronicles yourselves one day. It can happen. Why not? Why not share your story? We all learn about each other and then we all become better people for it. Let's talk about what we got on our plate today. It's episode 62 and I'm talking to none other than Mr. Cutting Edge himself, Amit Corso. Amit's journey is no different. We share a common bond in regards to like getting our first haircuts at Champs. Shout out to Champ Paul when he had the, the barbershop there in the corner of Annie King. I remember I grew up on 4th and Coral. And I tell this to Amit that I, I had to walk to Champs to get my own, you know, my, my, my very first fade. And we talk about the importance of that hair, that that style, the fade how important it was to the culture. He talks about his experience growing up, not not knowing how to cut the fade, but just realizing this is it. This is it for me. And that journey is what uh, this this episode really focuses on is how it started for him and where it went, because he did, he didn't just stop at I'm cutting hair and I'm loving it. And he got his own shop at 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. He's, here he is with a mortgage. And then he went and got a school because he got tired of seeing the quality of, uh, you know, the students that were coming out of these schools that just didn't really seem like, hey, they weren't paying attention or they just weren't getting the right education. Who knows nowadays, you know what I mean? But instead of complaining about it, he decided to get in it himself and provide the education that he thought was necessary. Now, look, a lot of people don't have the drive, okay? And I, th I think that's what this story really is about because Amin even admits himself that he didn't really have the skill or the talent at first. It was something that he had to learn on the, along the way. But what he did have was that grind, that mentality that nobody was going to outwork me. And I, I believe that that really is the caveat in a lot of these journeys, not just on this podcast, but any story that you hear of somebody doing big things where it's like, I have, um, I have a goal and this is it. And sorry, I love you guys, but none of you fucks are going to outwork me. And and with that mentality, with that grind comes good things. You can never fail at anything if you're trying. 
because even something that doesn't work in your favor is an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to re-up, to just regather yourself. That's the good thing about this. And one of the things that personally I've been enjoying is the hard, difficult times with learning this podcast is it gives me another opportunity to wake up the next day, God willing, and go, all right, let's do it again, because that's how much I want this. So Ahmed's journey is exactly on the scale of this is me, this is what I want, nothing's gonna stop me, let's go. And I hope you enjoy it. This is the first time I've met him. Um, I've heard of Cutting Edge before, but having to sit down and actually meet him, listening to the story was very, very impressive. I was very caught off guard with learning uh, just just little things, and and I don't wanna kinda spoil it for the listener here, but uh, nonetheless, um, shout out to all of his friends and family and and, um, colleagues because the 35 second clip that I shared of this episode coming up was the most shared clip I've ever sh- had shared. It was, it was bananas. Nonetheless, you can tell he's got a lot of people in his corner um, that love the guy. And so that says a lot about this guy's character. So having Amit here, shout out to Eric Fenstermaker. I got to I got to, uh, to talk to Amit because of Eric. Uh, Eric hit me up, a good friend of mine for over 25 years, and he was like, you got to have him on the podcast. So I did. And here it is. And this this is episode 62. This is Amit's journey. And these are the Journeyman Chronicles. Let's go. bring that up because I'm, I'm trying to right gather my thoughts of how yep, long yep. but eric fenster maker hit yep, me up yep. and uh i grew up i've known eric for a very very long time we used to work together at burger king okay he was my manager at burger king so that was probably like late 90s yeah like 96 97 okay. around there yeah so he was like you know you he sent me your info you gotta hit him up man and uh he'd be great i love i want to hear his story so i said all right so when I looked you up, I was just like, okay, yeah, cutting okay. edge. So there's a lot, there's a lot obviously that I, I want to get into because um, I've never interviewed anybody in this industry. Okay. And um, I, 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 I don't know if, you, if you've listened to the podcast, but it's what I try to do is just, I want to just talk about people's journey. Okay. What they've done, what they've gone through to get to where they right, are. Right, right. Um, and it's anybody and everybody. So I'm talking to people that are doing big things. I'm talking to people that just live a quiet life. Right, right. Um, trying to find the common ground so that we all can kind of learn a little bit more about one another. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's the premise, hence the journey, the journey, Journeyman Chronicles. Um, so I was like, you know, it'd be cool to talk to somebody in this industry because this industry is especially now with with social media it's highlighted and rightfully so but it's also looked at like yo this is easy right right and and especially um in the world right now where not only are you running your own barbershop but you've opened up a school so talk to me about um this this endeavor this journey of yours um like let's start from the very beginning how long have you been cutting hair okay so I've been cutting hair since I was third. Well, I did my first haircut when I was 13 years old. 
Okay. So it was, it was just a shape up. Um, there's kind of a backstory to that. I never went to a barber shop until I was in ninth grade. So I grew up in Lancaster City, went to McCaskey, things like that. Um, a buddy of mine just kind of kept pushing me to like, you got to come to the barbershop to get a fade, stop going to the mall, let your okay, mom cut yeah, your hair. Yeah. So I never really experienced a good haircut. And I wouldn't really say my first cut in the barbershop was a good experience and a good haircut because <laughs> it was uh, one, you know, we didn't understand. I was first time there and it wasn't, you know, the greatest location for the yeah. first shop. Where so was it at? It was on King and Ann Street. Okay, yeah. So it was a packed barbershop, got there super early, um, and just people just kept butting, I thought. I didn't know that there was appointments. Okay. So I'm getting up every time someone gets out the chair, and they're like, no, nah, I got an appointment. Is that champs? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I ended up going, you know, and waiting for hours. Like, I think it got to the point where my mom called the barbershop. She's like, are you okay? Like, like where are you She at? didn't even want me going there. <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. And I was like, yeah, mom, just, you know, people just keep getting in front of me. So, yeah. So eventually I got in the chair. I think I got there like 8.30. Didn't get done until 1.30 because Jeez. of people having appointments. But I didn't know how the business ran. Yeah. But while I sat there. I was kind of blown away by the detail of a haircut because I never really had that detail yet. So I'm watching them going over the same spot. I'm like, man, the haircut looks perfect. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. It looks great. Like, none of my cuts ever even look like that. And he's still spending an extra 10 minutes on it. So the first haircut, it was kind of like, it was goods and bads for me. Like, you know, I was going to the mall. I kind of had bangs and things like that and <laughs> cut them right off. So yeah. that was a big adjustment for me. Um, but over time, you know, I didn't even know the type of hair. Everybody's just like, just say you want a ball fade. Yeah. I never had a ball fade before. So, you know, I got the fade and then, you know, you go to school. I went to McCaskey. I'm like, man, what kind of cut do you got? And people tell me, get asked for a blowout or a light fade. So I'm trying to, you know, learn what that even is and what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I became a customer of the business. So about once a month, me and my buddy would go over there and wait, wait hours. And then eventually we got smarter and realized Go during the week. There's no wait instead yeah. of trying to get in on the busiest day of the, of the week of the barbershop. So we figured that out eventually. But I just kind of really grew a, a big interest in it because um, it was kind of something i never seen before. And I really kind of liked the shop atmosphere. Yeah. At times it was kind of wild, um, but also good. It was a lot of joking, laughs. Um, there was always like stories being told kind of. And you always have Sports Center on the TV. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and like, these guys are really getting paid to watch Sports Center and cut their friends and talk shit, pretty much. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I think I could do that, you know. So I said, this seems you get to cut in the AC and the heat, yeah. winter, summer, things like that. So it just kind of was a life changing experience for me going to the barbershop, seeing just how cultured it was and just different things, talking about sports. And it was everything that I kind of loved. Yeah. So when I was in high school, um, at the time when I got my first cut. You know, back in the day, we didn't have YouTube. There was no barber schools at the time in the city. Um, there wasn't even cordless clippers at the time. So for me to learn, it was just like I would sit in class and literally draw shape ups on all my notebooks. There you go. I used to give Christmas gifts without wrapping them and drawing shape ups with designs on the white box. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. how much my teachers would, what are you doing? Stop drawing. And I'm just drawing haircuts, trying to draw a fade and shaded it on my notebooks. And then, um, you know, one of my good friends of mine, I was like, look, man, let me just round that neck out for you. <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, he's like, nah, man. I was like, come on, man. I said, I'll give you $10 if I mess up so you can get it fixed. But all I'm going to do is just clean your neck hair. And that was kind of how it, it started was just by that. And it took me like an hour and a half to round his neck out. Okay. 
because I just had to get it perfect. Yeah. And, you know, I was using my dad's battery charge clippers that had hair on them right yeah, in the bathroom yeah, yeah, yeah. that everybody seen. So it didn't even know you're supposed to clean them, <laughs> things like that. Um, he didn't know that, I guess. Either yeah. I didn't even know nothing. So um, that just kind of like showed me something. Uh, that was actually my second cut. My first cut was the buddy that I went to the barbershop with. Um, we had a deal. I was like, look, let me shape you up. And he was like, if you let me shape you up. And I was like... I was like, all right, it's only it's only been a week, you yeah. know, since we had our cut. So yeah. it's, I was like, all right, the line's still there. So we're at, we didn't even have trimmers. We're using clippers, and that's a bigger blade Hell to yeah. do a shape, but it's very close to the eyebrows and things like yeah. that. So I was too scared to mess up, so I barely touched anything. And just when he went, we didn't talk for about two weeks until my hairline grew back out because he pushed me back pretty far. Um, to this day, I still cut his hair. Yeah. Um, and I always tell him, like, you know, if it wasn't for you taking me to the barbershop and even letting me do that to you, like, this may never have it happened yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah. It never really, that door may never had opened at that time, the right situation. So that's when I kind of just, I was 13 when I did just those couple of things. I wasn't really actively cutting or things like that. But then I chose to go to the shop on Saturdays again. Um, the reason why was because. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to school on Saturdays. I'm going to sit in there. I'm going to study uh, what size guards they're using. And when I go home, I'm going to try to memorize it. I didn't even know like what a half-inch guard was, a one, a two, a three. I didn't know none of that. So I would try to look at the size of the guard. And if I seen a smaller one, I noticed it took more hair off. If the guard was bigger, it took less. Yeah. So I tried to train my eye, and the whole time I just was became a student in there. And nobody knew and I would even be getting my haircut, watching the barber beside me cutting someone's hair and really like, okay, I think he did this, that, that, go home. Yeah. Let me try to get somebody. So it kind of got to the point where when I was in McCaskey, I like became like, I just wanted to do it so bad, but people weren't believing in me to cut their hair. So even my own friends, you know, so like I had to, a lot of times, like I'll give you $10. If I mess up, you, that's how much the cuts were in the shop. You can go get it fixed. Or a lot of times you were paying people. I was paying people to cut their hair. Yeah, and I didn't have no money, and I did that because that's just how bad I wanted it. And then the other thing was kind of crazy. I had to beat my friends in Madden. If I beat them in Madden, I got to give them a shape up. Wow. So you know, from there, it just kind of like it was. That's the hardest part was because you know I didn't have there wasn't social media area. Yeah. You know, this was we talking about what like nineteen ninety eight, I think. Yeah. Right around then. Sure. So, you know, just kind of just I, I just wouldn't give up until I could really do it more. So the other thing that kind of like when I started getting the actual haircuts that I wanted and the look I was going for, I felt better about myself. I felt the confidence that I never had when I had these other I get a haircut. I'm like, I don't even look like I got a cut. My yeah. mom used to cut me. You know, she wasn't a barber, but, yeah, you know, she did what she could. So. But basically, I would try to find the kids in school that either got bullied, made fun of. And look, I'm going to give you a free cut. And they looked at me. They're like, all right. You know, so those were the ones that I wanted them to feel that same feeling that I felt when I got a haircut from a barbershop. And I know I wasn't that good. The one thing that I, that I thought I was pretty solid with early on was just my shape ups. Gotcha. But I couldn't fade for nothing like lines everywhere. But I always felt like the average client is looking in the mirror straight ahead. If that line's good, we probably good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it kind of just went from there. And then, um, by the time I became a sophomore, um, I started cutting a little bit more, but by the time my junior and senior year, I mean, I was cutting people every single day, taking three to four people home, cutting right in my mom's basement. Wow. 
and I uh, it was nothing fancy at all. An old dresser, one 40-watt light bulb in the ceiling that's yeah. yellow. Yeah. Um, a chair that didn't spin. My neck duster was a paintbrush. Gotcha. You know, and uh, I took a Nike shoebox, and I drew a pricing sign and drew a guy with a shape up on it and named my basement called HHU. And it stands for hooking heads up. Okay. So that that was the name of the shop. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and then kind of down the road when it kind of got time to open the shop, I was like, I don't think that's going to be really brandable. It's catchy <laughs> now, but, you know, we're going to keep that for the basement. So I like the, the, the conversation uh, and the, the process of like um, finding finding a passion accidentally. Like right. a lot of people have a hard time in right. life. Like finding something and then then there's people like yourself like you just described it wasn't like you were pursuing you just went to get it cut right um i'm glad you brought that up at champs because i was reminiscing like i started my first fade was at champs okay and i lived i grew up on fourth fourth and coral right okay past wheatland yeah and i would come home and um up up before that my parents were my dad predominantly would cut my hair okay but you know, like back in those days, you didn't get it, they didn't get haircuts very often. Right, for right. The kids, you cut it low so yeah, it lasts. Cu- yeah. yeah, and my mom loved my curls. Okay, so I had a fro, and she loved it. But the older I got, the more I got bullied. Okay, because you know I went to school with you know, Wheeland. Wheeland was it had a lot of white kids in there, but there was also you know there's a lot of black and a lot of uh, Puerto Rican kids and. All I saw were the the people of color that had the fades, right, right. And and if you didn't have a fade, you were going to hear about it. Yep, yep. Or if you had a line, you were going to hear yep. about it. So I say that because by the time I got into middle school, I was like, you know what? I need I need a I need to change something. And um, a family member at the time took me to champs. Okay. And I remember walking in, and just like you mentioned, there was yep. there was no appointment, there was no you had to sign in at that yeah. time. You saw you signed in, and you just sat and you waited, and there was always that person that would sign and leave, and then they'd come back yep. and they'd be ahead of you, and you'd right. be like, "Wait a minute, I've been here." Happened. Oh, yeah. but you signed in. So, talk to me about the the culture of the fade. Okay. Um, and, and and this is something else I was thinking about also, and I wanted to pick your brain about it because what you're doing, um, and, and and I was thinking of the Champ Halls growing up, and and he, he too started the school, but it was the culture of, um, looking, looking good with the fade and the, how important it was. Like that fade, going back to the late seventies, eighties, it really grew into the nineties where it was like, you need to get that shape up. You need to get that right, fade. Right. It was like the, like the brand of hair. Yeah. Um, but what you're doing now, you're not just doing fades. Right. And growing up when we were growing up, you had barbers that could do fades. And then you had the other barbers that at the mall, the matter right, shopping right, center, right. the, you know, that, and you would go there and you'd get what you could get. Yep. Do you find it, it's obviously more challenging, but how challenging is it for you in today's era to continue that tradition of the fades, the shape ups, the lineups right. with the new cultural hair that's coming in? Plus, then also you're going to have the average person's going to come in and be like, I just went a little off the sides. They're not they don't know right. what the fade is. Um, like, do you do you find like you have to learn both worlds? I mean, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm blessed and grateful the era that i came up in yeah the the non-youtube era 
where, you know, a lot of people, that's what we go to for resources now to learn any and everything. And yeah. there's a lot of barbers that, that do that as well. Um, you know, great. I mean, I use YouTube for a lot of things as sure. well. Um, but, you know, learning without that and through trial and error, um, the great thing about like my business and also my clientele is it's so diverse. Word. I probably cut every single race you can think of. You'll never see a 50% of one race in my chair in even in a day probably. Wow. So I'm doing from scissor cuts to gentleman's cuts to clean fades to designs to hair coloring, you know, all in a day. So, and that was one thing, like I didn't want to just do a fade all day. Yeah. I don't want to just do a comb over all day either. I would get bored of it. Like I like that every client is kind of a new thing that I'm doing. So it just creates variety, but it also helps me build my clientele. If I can only do a bald fade, I'm losing out on 50% sure. of potential customers. So being diverse is like, if you want to make it in today's industry, in our city, there's so much competition. You have to be able to do everything. Otherwise, you're closing the door on a big potential clientele that you're missing out on. So, you know, just at our school, like our school's pretty diverse as well with our, our students and our clientele. So that's helping grooming, you know, the next batch of barbers coming out that they are well-rounded. But they also get to see me do demonstrations on all my clients that come from all different backgrounds, you know, from different like career paths that like clients that I have to, you know, everyday life jobs, things like that. So it's definitely super important that you're able to attack any and every type of hairstyle. So you don't want, if you are a barber, it doesn't say I'm a barber that only does a fade. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be trained and know how to do every haircut at a satisfactory level when you leave barber school. That's basically the goal. And then you grow from there. You know what I mean? So yeah. absolutely everything. You got to be able to do it all. Yeah, and I would think that it's also on the flip side, the, you know, you have uh, all these dope ass cuts that are coming out of your barbershop. Do you have, do you ever have that experience where people of other races, where, uh, you know, an older white gentleman might, yeah. might be hesitant to get the cut there because all right. he sees is, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure yeah. now that you've got your brand out there, right. it may not be as troubling, but at first that transition of like listen i don't yeah. i'm not just a ball fade barber right right so it's funny you bring that up because you know when i worked i actually worked at champs that's where i got my job at my first start um i worked there for a little over a year and a half and um you know i'm the only one in there that looks like me got you so a lot of guys would cut, do you know how to cut black people's hair yeah do you know how to cut waves like i got it all the time and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but you making me feel like I don't, yeah. you know? So I said, I said, but you can also wait for someone else if you would like, you know, if you're that, you know, worried if I can, can or can't. So it would get like, it was frustrating sometimes, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? I'm sure. So, you know, because I, you know, I, my background is a little unique as well. And it's like, there's not many like me that I even cut myself. So it's like trying to see where I kind of fit in as well. So like in the barbershop, you know, I'm in the hood right there. Yep. But I grew up at McCaskey, so I knew a lot of people too. But when you're dealing with people that weren't my age, that didn't know me from school, yeah, I didn't know them either, you know? Yeah. So just trying to find find how I would fit in. But, you know, that's why eventually, like as a young young person, I opened up my, my shop pretty young. So I just wanted to create my own culture. Gotcha. And I wanted it to be welcoming to everyone. I'm not saying that the business wasn't. But, you know, atmosphere, location plays a part of everything. 
Um, and I wanted a, a really diverse shop. Like I really, my goal was to have like literally four to five different races so we can attract those races that they felt comfortable and have a super diverse shop. Just like we just talked about, can you do just a fade? Yeah. I don't want to just cut one race yeah. either. You know, I want to attract everyone. Why would we shut the door and like limit our business as well? So yeah. And that was always the goal to be like family oriented and just open the doors to any and everyone so they felt welcome and have a good place that you can get any service that no matter where you're from, we can take care of it for you. So Yeah. And following your social media presence uh, for the school, I, I, I do. I feel that I you know, every time a, a barber graduates, you you, yeah. you, you, you it's on display there right, for people right. to see you promote that you you big up them. Um, and I, and I, and I always assumed, you know, that, that presence it's, it's, it has a professional look, but it is family oriented. I yeah. do feel that. Yep. I'm sure that's, that's the goal is right. Cause you right. want to have both. Right. Absolutely. And we just try to, you know, it's, I don't like to like, you know, I'm teaching grown men. I'm teaching people that are older than me yeah. that are my students, you know, so it's never to be that I'm better than them, but I'm their leader. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're banking on myself and my my staff to change their life and their career. So we take that very serious um, and really try to position you into whatever it is you want to do. But, you know, also as a school owner and a teacher, you know, if a student doesn't give you 100 percent and I do, it's not going to work. Yeah. We both got to give 100 percent to be successful. So. You know, we always, you know, I got a great group right now. Um, we recently got financial aid at our school, which was was huge for us. It was probably the hardest goal I've ever had in my life to achieve. It was a really? five-year goal. Like, wow. it's It just takes time to, like, you, you can't even apply until you've been in business for two years. Then it's typically a two- to three-year process at the fastest. Jeez. And then I ran into COVID. Oh, okay. This happened so, during COVID. Yeah, so then it got delayed, and I, I literally got it as fast as possible. Um, I have a great campus director. He's been my right hand man that um, pretty much handled everything in the office while I took care of teaching. It was literally just me and him wow. for for years, you know, just wearing all the hats in the business, but showing up every day, giving it 100 percent, you know, and just really trying to put those kids that once were maybe me that maybe didn't believe so much in themselves and letting them know that you can become something and giving them the life skills and tools that whether you do barbering or you don't or become an investor or do something else, you got the tools now to achieve, you know, anything you want to do with whatever career path you decide yeah. to take. So. At what point does the, 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 the barber school come into play? Was okay. it always the goal or? No. So this is what kind of like a quick rundown, basically. So when I was when I was 20 years old, um, I was grinding. I was kind of there was a lot of things happening at the barbershop um, that sometimes I just didn't feel safe in there. OK. You know what I mean? Just and it's not necessarily what was happening inside, but it's outside. Like you're seeing things going on on the yeah, yeah, street, yeah, things you, like yeah. that. Um, and, you know, I'm just trying to cut hair. That's all. I just want to build a career. I want to make money. I want to become something. So very fast, I was like, I'm going to open up my own shop. And a lot of people thought I was crazy. They're like, what do you mean? There's guys that have been here 10 years. They still don't got a shop. You think you're ready for a shop? So uh, it was that. How long ago was that? Forgive me. When I opened my shop. When you decided like that, that so thought process. Right I was there. 20 years old. Okay. So, so what, 
So I don't know how old so you ba- are. So I'm 39 right now. Okay, so you're talking about 19, 20 years yeah, ago, and yeah. people had that thought then of opening your own shop. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, because, you know, like, I mean, I was only cutting hair, like, in the shop for a year and a half. Oh, so they figured, like, you haven't been here long right, enough right, to have like, those ambitions. Right, and I'm like, I said, you know what? I said, but I'm going to bet on myself, you there know? You go, like, yeah. So, you know, I basically, kind of what happened was, when I graduated high school, I went to college. I, I ended up playing baseball for Delaware Valley. And I love baseball. That was my I wanted to make the major leagues. That was my dream. Um, and that's all I ever wanted to do as a kid was play wow. baseball. And then cutting hair kind of came into my life. Then I started cutting my baseball team. And then when I went to college, I cut the whole campus, basically. Wow. So when I went to college. Did um, you go to college at? It was at Delaware Valley. Okay. Yep. So, um Things just kind of didn't work out there for me. I had some issues happen up there that kind of almost made me come back home. Okay. Um, I talked with the coach at Millersville. I was going to try to play there. That summer, I got offered a job in the barbershop. They seen one of my haircuts I did in my mom's basement. They knew me already because I was a customer of the business. I was like, hey, we seen this cut. Um, You want a job? And I said, yeah, but I don't know how to do a fade, though. And I just remembered they were like, you'll learn. And I was like, well, how? You know, so the minute I hung the phone up, I said, all right, I'm in. Wow. I hung up the phone. I called my two little brothers. I said, come on, y'all getting ball phase right now. So I spent about three hours and my clippers almost exploded. And <laughs> um, it wasn't great. And I still didn't know what I was doing. So my biggest fear was messing someone up and them being unhappy. Sure. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to work hard. I'm going to watch everybody cut hair. And just really try to do this because I, I really loved it. Like, I just wanted to keep getting better and better. So while I was working at Champs, I was also a full-time college student. I ended up having to make the decision, do I want to pursue baseball or do I want to pursue barbering? So that summer before school started, I, I got in the shop. I was making some good money. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, this is – it don't even feel like work. Like, I'm yeah. cutting my friends making a living. Like, I never made this kind of money yet, and I'm – I was like how I was I was 19 years old. So I ended up, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer if you start something, you have to finish it. I already started college. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to hack for a year. I said, let me go to hack and see how things kind of play out. If I don't end up liking the barbershop, I'm going to Millersville and we're going to try to walk on, play baseball or something, see what happens. So I was going to hack. I was cutting hair as I was an apprentice, an apprenticeship program at the shop to get my license because there wasn't schools at the time. So it was right around the time when he was opening the school, actually. So right okay. around that time, that's when the school just opened, but I was already an apprentice. So I, I had it in my mind made up that I'm going to open up my own shop. I'm going to save my money, and I'm going to buy a building. And, I, you know, sometimes, you know, what's in your imagination is for you. Yeah. And that nobody else can really see that because yeah. it's not for them. And I, and I really believe a lot of these things just kind of – I had these pushings in my head like you got to buy a building, don't rent a building. And I don't know why at that young of his age I was thinking like this. Um, but basically I went ahead, saved my money. I, I actually just told this story to my students the other, the other day, okay. like a get-to-know-me type of thing. And um, I worked about 140 straight days. So I went to college. This was when I was 19. I was a heck full-time student. I cut at the barbershop full-time. And I worked at the Timberland Outlet on Sundays and Mondays because the shop was closed on Sundays and Mondays. Yeah. So I literally went an entire semester without a day off. So things were going good, but I was like, 
kind of burning out too sure. you know i'm 19 doing more than most adults would ever do in their life at that point like that like working that like that but i had a goal i was like i want to buy a building so i i then became the process of i found a realtor started looking for a property i just kept saving my money i had the I was reaping the rewards of having a grown man job at 19 while living at home with my mom, though. Sure. So I was only 19. Um, and then I saved enough money and I put an offer on the on the barbershop on King and Broad Street. Um, they accepted the offer. The minute I signed that paperwork, um, I went, went ahead and called Champ. And I told him, like, can I talk to you in person? And he kept trying to push to like, hey, just tell me over the phone. I was like, no, nah, it's kind of important. Um, so I ended up going down to the school at the time, the school ended up opening up, we had the conversation and I was scared to tell him, um, the biggest reason was I didn't want him to fire me. Yeah. Sometimes if you quit, if you're telling someone you're leaving, they, you can just pack your stuff up. Oh, you, you wanted to ride out the time you yeah, had. So, yeah. So, but I wanted him to be the first person to know sure, yeah, that I was leaving and I wanted to give him, I, I it was basically a six month notice. I wanted to give him six months notice to replace me. That's not, that's a really dope notice. Though. Yeah. Like, and that, and that's, months. I hope like as a man, me going to him face to face, telling yeah. him this, that he, he respects that I'm coming to you as a man. I told him I'm not here to take your barbers when I leave. I just want to leave in good conscience with you. And I appreciate the opportunity you gave me, but I signed the contract. I got a mortgage now. I got a building. I got to renovate, but I wanted you to be the first person to know. Cause you gave me the opportunity. I don't want you to hear this from anybody else. So, you know, he respected it and he said, you know, I appreciate it. And, you know, when the time gets closer, let me know when your date is just so I know when to put the next barber in, basically. So um, the crazy thing is, so I was still in college while I was renovating this building. And it was funny because I took business and one of the classes was create a business plan. Okay. So I created the business plan on my barber shop and I had my flyers already made from my shop, T-shirts, business cards. My My professor was blown away. He was like you really made all of these things? I said, what do you mean made it? He was like, like for this presentation? He said, you have real business cards <laughs> and like uh, t-shirts and things like that. And I'm like, I was like, nah, like I'm, I'm opening up my own barbershop. He said, when? I said, well, graduation is January 2nd, 2003rd. I said, my grand opening day is January 3rd, 2005, the next day. Wow. So I didn't even go to my college graduation because I was preparing for my shop because the next day was my grand opening. So me and that professor actually became really good friends. Um, and every single month, I ended up cutting his hair. He came wow. to my shop because he kind of didn't believe it, I felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was like, damn, you really, so you, you were Because you were young. I mean, you are yeah, young, but this right. And, mortgage. you know, I was 20 years old, you yeah. know, so he was like, man, so you like, you really did this. And I got an A on that project, you know, <laughs> I got some bonus points because having business cards and things like that. But me and him built a relationship where we would go to Allison's Diner for breakfast once a month. That's cool. So I still keep in contact with him. He actually moved to Florida now, but... It was just good. He kind of mentored me as well with certain things as I was going through business. He was my business teacher. Yeah. So it was kind of like, and I didn't have that relationship with him the entire year until okay. that that project. And yeah. then he like had a better understanding and respect for me once he knew like I was going through all of this stuff, like trying to get a shot while going through school, things yeah. like that. So that's kind of what happened. And then we opened up January 3rd, 2005. This January will be 19 years for us. So. Look at that. Yep. So, um, a couple of things, one, you know, having the, the respect, uh, that th that's a lot. Like I said, six months, um, 
Because some people just don't do that. No, nah, they don't. I, but don't. the fact that you recognized you, I'm sure, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure right. in that moment you were like, um, I know, like you said, I'm not here to take your barbers. You were already aware of what this may look like. Absolutely. Because that, because that cult, that that's the nature in, in that the business is right, right. barbers that go start their own business. Is it, is it sometimes frowned upon from, from other barbers? Like, yo, now you're going to, now you're my competition, but now yeah. don't be taken. So f- for me, I there, there's two sides to it, all right? Like, that was my dream. Yeah. So I'm not here to stop no one's dream. If that's what you want, as long as you do right business yeah. when you work for me, I'll be the first one in your shop to support you. I'll help you. Yeah. But if you're going behind my back trying to steal the business, take barbers, that's a different story. Yeah. And, like, you got to look at it like sometimes greed gets in the way. Um, and you know, sometimes people try to one up their mentor or think they can, you know what I mean? There's, there's things in situations in business that happens in every business. Yeah. So it's just really how you, how you conduct business. And, you know, I've seen things in the past and that's kind of like, it led to my decision on how I went about it. Cause I was like, you know, how would I act if when I open my shop now that I'm gonna be on the other side of this table, if someone did it to me, Sure. you know, so I just thought like that and just try to put that that good energy out there, and I ended up hiring three guys that nobody heard of, you know, and started my own team, and, you know, we just kind of went from there, and we grew on from there, and I never had to take people from from the barbershop either, yeah. you know what I mean? So, but it's like, it's a different story, too, because it's like, you get in weird situations sometimes, like, because when I left, a guy from the shop that I worked with asked me for a job. Okay. I didn't tell him nothing yeah. but you get into the things where sometimes people leave and they're like look man i'll drop your rent lower than what you're paying now you want to come with me mm. and sometimes people try to sell you a dream yeah but you know most of the times fast forward it don't work out yeah because you're kind of going into business with bad karma already so it's just kind of trying to do things the right way or the best of your ability so you shouldn't have to step over nobody's toes i was i'm a firm believer if you do things the right way Every single barber in this city can eat. Yeah. Everybody. It, it's something that I've always thought of. Um, yeah. And because I'm sure it can be like you said, it, it, it can it can be done right. Mm-hmm. Good business. But just like any other business, there's the cutthroat side. Of right. It, right. Where things get dicey and shit. Right. It's kind of a little like, listen, um, OK, I thought we right. were cool. Right. Right. Why would you do this behind the, my back? Bar- barber, barbers, you know, it's a very competitive field. I mean. I'm not going to lie. Like, I remember in high school, you know, there's several guys that used to cut hair in high school when I was in high school. And, like, if you see one of my clients, oh, he messed you up, man. He pushed you back. Yeah. And then, and I was guilty of it, too. I'd be like, well, he he messed you up, too. You come to me. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, I was 15 years old. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, live, you grow up and you learn and you realize you don't have to do that type of things. Yeah. You know? And then it's like the people that do that, you never win. You know what I mean? You might win temporarily, but long term, you're not going to win. Well, and I'm sure in your business, the, the right. long term is the goal. Right. For, and, mo- for the most right. part. And and a lot of guys are thinking for the now, not the future. And, you know, it happens in the city, I'm sure. Like, I'm not really involved with, like, things like that. You know what I mean? But, yeah. But I'm sure, like, people are, they're still fighting for clientele just to, you know, everybody's trying to build and grow. But I just believe there's a right way to do it. You don't have to do that. Like, if you have to talk, like... I'm not, I would never talk bad about another barber. Like, because what's that going to, that does sure. nothing for me. Like, right. like I've been a, a bad barber that couldn't cut hair. So for me to judge someone else that's trying to get to where, you know, they want to be in their career, how's that going to, 
how does that look at me saying something when I was that barber? Yeah. At one gotcha. point in my career, you know what I mean? So, but you know, as you get older, you learn things and you know, you grow, like I've definitely made mistakes, things like that, but try to do the best business I can, you know, especially sure. now and going forward. So how long after the shop opening was the endeavor for the school, the school. Okay. So the school, this is how the school kind of came about. Um, it was a few things. So like when I first started, when I opened my shop, um, I was so busy. It was unreal. I was averaging 125 to 150 appointments a week. I was doing over 6,000 cuts a year. Um, and that's something that'll never be done in the city ever again. Like I know guys that don't even do that in a month. Yeah. And that's a good barber nowadays because wow. the times have changed drastically. You know what I mean? We were cutting for lower price, higher sure. volume. Yeah. Where now it's higher price, lower volume. So like um, that eventually kind of burned me out. Like after by a year, two and a half, like, I mean, I did six days straight, 12 hours every day wow. because I never turned anyone away. If you came, even after I was done my point, I cut you because I was trying to build my business. So my barbers had business. And in reality, they should have been the ones doing it for themselves. Sure. But as the owner, you know, I just felt not that they're like kids or things like that, but I look at them like you're part of my family. I got to feed you. You know, I want to make sure that you eat, but you got to do your part, too. You know, it can't just be me doing this and you're not helping me out either. You yep. know, so and the ones that did it, they're super successful. The ones that didn't, some ain't even cutting hair no more, you know, because yeah. they just waited for someone. They wait waiting on me to make them successful. And that's yeah. not how this works. So. Um, I ended up getting burned out and I started taking a day off. I started taking Wednesdays off just to kind of because I only had Sundays off. And, you know, I'm 21, 22. You know, I'm a young man. Like I'm sacrificing, going out, partying, sure. friends is called. I mean, I did my fair share of things. I, I definitely went out here and there, um, but I was really goal oriented. Um, and literally six months after I opened the shop, like I, I just turned 21 so I'm going out, and my mom's telling me, you got to be in by 12. I'm like, Mom, I own my own shop, though. She's <laughs> like, but you, you still live in my house. So you live here. I'm like, but damn, Bob. I'm like, I'm like, Mom, I tell people what to do at my shop. But she's like, this ain't your shop. I'm like, all right, Mom. So I bought I bought a house. There you go. Okay. So, wow. so I, I said, all right, Mom, then I'm, I'm going to leave. I said, I'm going to buy my own house. So by the time I was 21, I had two mortgages. Wow. So it was, and, you know, I was just like, in my head, like, I was like, all right, if I just cut an extra 20 heads a week, I could cover the mortgage, and then we good to go. So yeah. I would just do things like that. And so I look back, some of the things was crazy. Mm. But I just, I would cut to one in the morning if that's what it meant to be. I wasn't going to fail. Like, I'll do whatever it take. So I, I knew I would always find a way. Um, but, you know, these things were, you know, catching up to me with these the amount of hours, like even leading before the shop came, like all the stuff I did to get the shop. So... I started competing in hair shows. Um, I found out about a hair show, and um, the first hair show I did, it was actually in Baltimore. I show up with my model, and they tell me I'm disqualified. Right away, I didn't even start yet. Wow. And they said, your models, you didn't read the rules. The model's hair length has to be a certain length. That you have to remove a certain amount off. You have to remove half an inch. My model's hair wasn't even a half an inch long, so I had to take them bald. Gotcha. Right? So I said, look, I understand I'm disqualified, but can I still compete just to get the experience I'm already here? They're like, yeah. So I competed. I wouldn't have placed anyways. So now the fire just started brewing in me. I'm like, man, I've seen some things I've never seen before with hair. Okay, from the show. Yeah, from the show. And I was like, I was like, I want to do this. Mm. So that kind of recharged me and re-sparked me, you know? So, like, I started competing in hair shows everywhere, like Atlanta, Florida, 
I've been to Jersey, New York, um, just kind of, I went to Boston, like all, any hair show, I was there. And I, I won about, I think, 11 first place trophies. I won 11 straight shows. Oh, wow. And then like a two-year, and I, I changed everything to now I want to be a celebrity barber. Gotcha. I want to cut celebrities. Um, and I want to cut NBA athletes, professional athletes. I'm going for it. And there wasn't the, we were, this is when MySpace just came out now. Okay. So the, the, the way to connect with people still wasn't the way it was today. Yeah. So I, I remember competing against a guy that was from Miami at the time. He was a celebrity barber and I just beat him. But me and him became great friends. Like he's an amazing barber. He definitely could have won just as well. Um, but we just connected really well. And he said, you got to come out to Miami. We'll take over the city. He was cutting like Roy Jones Jr. Oh, at wow. the time. That was like his big A-list client, like when he was a star, you know. Yeah. Um, that was like when he was like Tyson, basically. And I went out there, and I, he actually had a job interview set up at Paul Mitchell's Barber School. And I just got my teachers when I was 23. Yeah. And um, he was like, look, you can get an hourly rate job, get your insurance, and then you cut with me afterwards, build your clientele. Once you build up, you can let go of the job, and we go take over. And I was actually with my wife at the time, and we went out there, and I just, I don't know, something didn't feel right. I remember my sister just had her first child, which was my first nephew, okay. and I didn't have no kids either. So I don't know, when it's your first, you almost look at it like I'm having a kid too. Yeah. And I was like, damn, if I move, I'm never going to see this kid grow up. Gotcha. You know, so, and then I'm a mama's boy too, and I was like, man, I don't think I could be away from my mom and my family. So I was like, I can't walk away from what I already have a staff. I already have a business that's doing good. So I, I turned that down and just really started working in different directions, um, but really trying to build a brand for myself outside of the city as I'm at Corso, you know, from hair shows. You know, I was in a lot of magazines, newspapers, things like that. From from winning these shows, they would do publicity things for you as well to feature okay. in national magazines. Wow. And that kind of created a buzz for me throughout the industry. Um, that led to other opportunities that came down the road. Um, but kind of like going back home is the biggest reason for the school was when I would get people asking me for a job, they they lacked everything. No okay. license, no professionalism. Um, they're cutting in the basement thinking they're good. They don't know how to clean their clippers. Um, and it was just like, and I wasn't getting the quality of people that I want to hire anywhere from the schools. So I was like, this is crazy. Like to me, I was like, what are you guys learning? Like, what are you, like, what are you, are you not being a good student? Because I don't ever blame a school all the time. Gotcha. Because the student. I have students sometimes that give me zero effort. Yeah. So I understand you can't change everybody. Yeah. But the bigger percentage, you know, they're going to, they're going to do their part, you know? So I was like, am I just getting these bad apples? Like just the wrong ones? Um, but it, so what I started doing was apprenticing people in my shop. So I was like, you know what, if you're that serious, you take the apprenticeship, I train you, you get your license and I can mold you to who I need you to be and the type of atmosphere we're trying to do. Cause the one bad app in the shop, it's like a cancer. Oh, yeah. It starts to spread. So you got to cut that out right away and try to replace it with something good. So for me, as, as I got older in business, the one thing I, I used to, as a young barber, I, I always try to hire talent. And talent was the worst thing to ever hire. So gotcha. I started hiring good people that, okay. had, that had the drive. There you go, because then you can and, hold them. And the work ethic. Yeah. If you got there on time, I'm like, he's going to be a good one. Because I was like, if you already have the drive and the work ethic, I'm, I can get you great. I can make you to who you're envisioning yourself to be. Because I wasn't naturally talented. 
I wasn't gifted at barbering. I really had to work hard. My gift was my drive and my motivation. Like, I'm willing to outwork anybody. Gotcha. So that's what took me to where I am today is because of that, because I know I outwork people that were way more talented, and I kept going higher and higher because of the drive, you know? And that's something that just comes within. It's not taught in a book, you know what I mean? Exactly. So that's kind of what led me to the school. I kind of got to the point where, you know, I was I was just frustrated with what was coming in and just basically watching barbers fail. Mm. You know, I, I and what I mean by that is I tell my students this, you know, an orientation day one. So it sticks with them. The barbering industry is a 90-10 industry. 90% of the barbers are not doing it. Oh, wow. They are doing bad. 90%. And only 10% of these barbers are really doing good. And now when people hear this, they're going to be like, I'm nice. I can cut. Look at my Instagram, right? Do you own a house? Do you pay taxes? Do you have an IRA? Do you have health insurance? That's a barber is a businessman. You're an independent contractor. Yeah. So I don't care how good you can cut if you still live at your mom's house and you can't afford to get a car because you don't pay taxes. You don't have a credit. So I was like, when I open up a school, I'm going to teach the next generation to become businessman first, barber second. Mm. Because if you can if you can be the greatest barber, but you don't have this, you're going to cut till the day you die. Right. And the goal for every barber is to cut because you want to, not because you have to. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, I know there's some older guys in the city that have been cutting since I was a kid. I don't know them personally, but to me, I don't think that's good. Yeah. I love cutting hair. I'm going to cut till the day I die, but it's because I want to. I feel like that's how it starts, though, right? It starts with right. the lore of, like, I, this is nice. I can right. cut and have a But life. putting a 10-hour shift at, yeah. at 60, 70 years old, I'm, I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah. On I'm, your feet all day. I'm going to cut in the nursing home, you know, because <laughs> I, I want to do it, you know? Like, let me give you a design or something, you yeah. know? But <laughs> these are the things that, like, I really want to help the next generation and people that come through my school and my own barbers. Um, that's the goal is to really set them up for success, not only in the barbershop, but in their personal life. But at the end of the day, they're going to get the information. It's up to them what they do with it. Yeah. You know, so like in, in my shop, like I'm super proud of the team I have. Um, we probably have the most licenses in one shop than any shop in the history of Lancaster. Really? So we have three teachers, we have four managers and eight licensed barbers. Wow. There's never been that type of thing ever in the history of Lancaster. I've never seen that done. That's nice. Most shops don't even have a manager. Yeah. Let alone a teacher. Not that they need the teacher's license for the shop, but like the goal is that we keep pushing you to become better and not just to be an average barber, you know, and it gets contagious in the shop. If one gets that, the next guy wants it. And the great thing about my shop now is as of three years ago, it's the first time in all the years my shop's been open that I've been able to train every single person that works for me. There you go. Five are graduates of my school, and I have two guys that have been with me for 11 years. Um, they were my apprentice. They did the apprenticeship okay. program through me before the school, and that's why the team is so good now because they all get it. They understand, like, our mission, um, where we're trying to go, and what they trying to, they're trying to achieve in their own life as far as we got several homeowners in my shop. Go to any barbershop and ask how many homeowners there are. Yeah. And I'm not knocking. And there are homeowners in other businesses. A lot of times it's the owner. Yeah. Right? But these are the things that, like, I want these barbers to become homeowners, business owners. I want them to have a, a, a IRA. I want them to have health insurance. I want them to have good credit. You know, pay your taxes so yeah. you can grow and get loans at a low rate while using someone else's money. Yeah. 
versus trying to keep all this cash and then not claim your taxes, not being able to get these higher, these benefits and how you become rich, you know? So, and that's the whole goal. And it's crazy, you know, that we're doing this today because tomorrow I'm teaching a tax class at my school, how to set up, get incorporated, like an LLC, sole proprietorship, S Corp, B Corp. So you're doing, te- you're teaching. These aren't even part of the curriculum. Yeah. And these are the things that, like, when you come to my school, I'm giving you things that I don't have to do, but it's the things that I know you need to succeed that the curriculum's outdated. Gotcha. It's just like when we go to high school, there's so many classes we took that we know we didn't, we're never using sure. our life, right? Yeah. Why didn't they teach us these things, right? Yeah. So I said, when I get to school, I'm going to make sure you get taught these things that I didn't have, that I struggled with. You know, that I had to learn through failing, but now I can teach it. And now I'm giving them the answer key to what's about to hit them in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's still up to them to take it and, and apply it and keep using those things. So that's like, like to me, a successful barber is someone that has a retirement, pays their taxes, owns a house, and and has a decent book. Yeah. That's that 10%. And that's hard to find. You know what I mean? So because a lot of guys are chasing fame on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they want to be blown up, a celebrity barber. And I remember I want to do, I don't, my clients are my celebrities. Yeah. I've cut some people for 25 years. You know, how many people stay with one celebrity for 25 years? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. They lose their job, so do you. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's the regular everyday people that you cut, they become your, they're, they're the reason I am where I am today. Right. And and your work is literally speaking volumes everywhere they go. So uh, the barber life, and, and that's I'm starting with this because it kind of goes into what you were just breaking down like that, that representation of this is me and this is my work. I, you know, I take pride in it, but it's evolving over the years right. where it's like we need to level up. Yeah, this isn't just like you said, stack your money. But now we got to like do something with that money and we got to right. like you have to protect yourself where I feel like the mindset back in the day, and rightfully so, we, you know, a lot of the barbershops that were predominantly black and brown people Mm -hmm. didn't have that education financial education it was just like put that money in the shoebox yeah rubber band it and you're good to go and 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 it's honorable but to have the opportunity to to see this type of growth in this industry it's pretty dope because you are offering other educational courses rather than just barbering right right so is that like a was that was that something that came on its own when you decided to start the school? Was it like, I you're you, you are helping people, you right. are nurturing that that part of life that yeah. most people don't get. Yeah, I mean, um, as far as how that, I just felt like through me going through things, like with pro, like I own four properties, so with owning four properties, I knew I had to put the game on to them to, on how to get it and how I got the properties, yeah. and that's not in our textbook. You know, but so that led to buying a property. But how do you even get to the property? You have to pay your taxes. You got to have a credit score. You know, you have to be incorporated as a business, as a barber, having a business account, a personal account, things like that. So um, there's so many different classes that I that I also do. I try to do at least one once a month. Some of them are personal classes just from, you know, my situations. But it's basically to, like, bring them in. I also bring in guest speakers. Okay. Um, for example, a lot of times I, I, I've been trying to get my actual accountant to come in to teach this class because obviously he knows more than I do. Um, so we're, we're trying to get that set up where he'll come in and do the tax class. But like recently, I've had a credit specialist come in to help with credit. I brought a realtor in um, with actual with a lender to explain the buying process. 
So these are things like we we try to like I try to work on a referral thing, like because a lot of people they won't take that step to go do it. So if I bring them to you and they give you the card, yeah, you know you're a step closer to making it happen, and, and it has worked a lot of times, you know, with with past students and yeah. things like that taking advantage of that. So we're just trying to like be that one stop shop. Like you're gonna really learn a lot more than cutting hair, and you know I tell them like two things in day one, like. And, you know, you kind of get that deer in headlights look. I say, it's day one orientation. I said, how do you plan to retire? And they just look at me like, hmm. I just started day one. What do you mean? Because this is the day you need to start thinking about that. Like, day one. Like, you got to have a plan. This yeah. You don't think about this when you're 60. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, you know, just trying to really motivate them and encourage and really lead by example with the things that I'm doing. And I, and I try to share, like, my stories with them as I'm going through it. To hopefully encourage them, but also let them know you can do this too. I, I'm a regular person with two clippers like you, yeah, and I'm making it happen, you know. So you can do the same thing. Like, so recently I just I just uh, did an Airbnb in the Poconos. Okay. So we got a that's my fourth business I have. So like my wife and I did that. So I was kind of sharing the stories with a lot of my students, and it became where I didn't share. They just kept asking me about it. Now like, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And then now they're getting the game on that, you know, that's, that's going to help them someday when they decide to do these things as yeah. well. And it just, I was just telling them, you got to be more than a barber, you know, and, you know, the, the average millionaire has seven streams of income. So get you seven. Yeah. All right. So let's start with the cutting hair. Yeah. That's your foundation. If you do the right things with your money, it can lead to these other branches that can open up these other doors. But I also tell them that your goal doesn't have to be a millionaire. Yeah. Your goal is to be happy. Yeah. You know, so whatever, whatever it is whatever you want to do, happy, exactly. So, there. so chase what you love. Yeah. Don't chase the money. You know, so just whatever it is you, I was, I just, I'm a firm believer. Whatever I want, I can get. Yeah. I know I have to work for it. So it's a matter of putting the time in the work. Is it worth the time and the effort? Um, but that's how you have to have that mindset, you know, and it's like, you just gotta go for things, you know, you gotta be re ready to leap. So yeah, and I've always, I've, especially now I'm, I'm, I'm four, I'm 44. And for the past, I'd say probably like 10 years, I started wrapping my brain around that. Like, um, I know I have to put the work in, but I can do it right. Or sometimes you can get caught up in self-doubt or the fear of failure. Right. But I've been embracing the possibility of failure more and more. Right. And because of that, it's easier to be like, I'm just going to fucking do it, dude. You, I'm just doing it. You have to have an effort attitude. Yeah. You have to. Like in the thing, the reason why. Forgive me. I curse, man. I just nah, you good, I, man. I forgot the, nah. I forgot the ask you if that was nah, i don't yeah, i don't care at all man um, <laughs> but you you gotta have that mentality man and the biggest reason why a lot of people don't leap is because of the fear of what others would think if they fail yeah so you gotta kind of just clear your mind and not think like because yeah. your 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 mind is telling you to fail you didn't even do it yet yeah you know so stop thinking yeah. and i'm just like you're you're on the clock. We're gonna die someday. Right. That's the like, thing. Like the, if that's not more motivating to yourself that you should go do any and everything you ever wanted to do. Yeah. Like why why not you? That's that's what I always see in my head. Like if I want a Lamborghini, why not me? Why, why can not? he have it and I can't? If yeah. I want a mansion, if I want this that, 
Why not? Yeah. What do you think these things are made for? It's made for us to have. Yeah. We just got to go get it. Yeah. I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, I just want the little things. Like right. I want time with my family. Absolutely. And working. Right. At where I was working before I was working as a doc worker for 11 years for FedEx. And I'm like, I have no time. Right. And so it's like the little things like I want quality time. I want to be able to do the things that I want to do. Right. And when you start looking at things like that, it's like, okay, it's it's not so much like I want fame and fortune. I just want to be happy and comfortable. And slowly things just start happening. Right. If you right. keep that positive, yep. positive mindset. You mentioned earlier in, in our conversation, um, you mentioned your background and you mentioned that cutting hair at champs the black guys were asking you, you yeah know, what, what is your background so um, i'm from guyana it's in south america okay so i'm half guyanese and half indian okay yeah so kind of never really met too many you know what i mean even, yeah even going through mccaskey things like that so that kind of like you know growing up you know there was not many that i could relate to because i don't really have family here besides like my mother my brothers and sisters like no cousins no I'm, i was born in new york so all my family's kind of in new york okay so it was just kind of like you know where do i fit in yeah you know what i mean so it was always like i you know i don't speak spanish you know i don't do this i don't do that you know but I, it was crazy because like i was just telling my my wife like my friends were so diverse too though like, it was really a group of five different races. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe these guys don't feel where they fit in, and that's why we're together yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know? So it's crazy. Like, all my friends have really been so many different races. Um, but, you know, it's not about race at all. You know, it was for me, it was just like sometimes I never felt like I fit in with a group. Yeah. Because I didn't look the same, you know what I mean, or something like that. So that was just something, like, even in the barbershop, you know, like, People look at me, there's no way you can you can give me a nice haircut. You don't even have the hair like I do. And gotcha. that's what a lot of people look at. Yeah. They're like, Well, how you gonna how you gonna do my hair when you got straight hair? Yeah. And people think that you can only do the type of hair that you have sometimes. It's crazy the perception of what <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, the clippers don't have like a race on it, you know, either does my yeah. license. But the but, thing is, I never even thought of it. Like I never right. thought of that. Yeah. Um, like that dynamic yep. of of you don't you're not black or you're not puerto rican right. or spanish rather. right you know you're not latino so yeah. can you do a fade right uh, especially women in the industry right. it was like yeah. well, i don't know like my barber's a woman yeah and it was in in when she offered to cut my hair it was because somebody my barber didn't show up right and i was like uh i, I immediately was like okay i never i never had a woman cut my hair and it was the first time i realized well, i never had a woman cut my hair i was like all right yeah and she's been cutting my hair for seven years so it's just like that that stereotypical barrier yeah that's like conditioned in our mind right right and women women get it the worst too you know what i mean like i had a woman that worked for me in my shop i had female students in my school and they still get it like the guys will cut hey can can she do my cut you know and i'm like yeah like what do you what do you mean like so they you know i feel like no matter who you are you're going to face similar challenges Absolutely. from some, and that's just kind of comes with the territory. It probably comes in every job. Yeah. Um, but you know, those are the things you can't let it stop you. You know, you still got to find that way. Uh, sometimes it might be relocating to a new shop, a different type of environment that, cause every shop has its own culture. Sure. No, no two shops are the same. 
Um, and it's, it's just like my school is so crazy how it is that like when the class graduates, the culture changes as the new group comes in because oh, every wow. student is like, I got so many, like 50% of my students now aren't even from Lancaster. We got students from Lebanon, Harrisburg, Reading, York, and you know, they're driving and stuff like that to, to get to school. And they're from completely different backgrounds, grew up in different areas and like right now, it's probably one of the coolest groups I've had, mm. um, and it's it's just so crazy how they're coming from all different areas, and we came together and created a a great environment. Like these guys are great young professionals, and they're just it's cool. But now a few will graduate, a couple will come in. The environment can go great or it could go sideways. Gotcha. But the key to having great environments is having structure in your business. Absolutely. When there's no structure, it's going to fail. I think having structure and also like you're obviously aware that 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 dynamic will change. Right, right. And to not get too attached yeah, it, to how things right. are. Because for me, it gets to the point sometimes like, like this is almost these are my barbers now, not even my students. Sometimes I'm yeah. like, damn, my barber's leaving me to go to the shop because he graduated. Yeah. You know? So and it's like, you know, you, I definitely miss students, things like that. You know, some are such a joy to have, you know, make my job exciting. Like I, I love students that pick my brain and just become a sponge and just, I tell them, use me. Like I'm here to give you whatever you need. Like I'm not, I don't hold nothing back from them. Personal stuff. Like just, we, we did a cool class like recently and it was, I never did this before. So we actually just finished it today. So I usually always at some point share my journey and my story, my timeline okay. from when I started cutting to how it got to where I am today. Cause a lot of them don't know me. Some do some, some of my clients are in my school now. So it's some that know me, some don't. So I share that. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna do something different this time. I'm going to ask for volunteers to share their story. Oh, wow. So, it got deep. There was tears. Oh, for real? Yeah, like um, it just gave me such a better understanding um, that I didn't know about them, like their struggles that they went through um, to get to school. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like it, it just made me want to be an even better teacher. Like one even said, I didn't realize it. He's like, I look at you as a father figure, oh, not wow. my teacher. You know what I mean? So, like, those are the things that, like, sometimes you don't realize how you're impacting someone. Yeah. I look at it, this is my job. Like, it's not that, like, if I didn't do this, I wouldn't be doing my job. Yeah. Like, you're paying me to come to my school. I have to teach you, you know? So, that's how I kind of look at it on mine. So, when they tell me these things, it's like, man, well, I'm just doing my job, man. You don't got to thank me. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, this is what I'm supposed to do for you, you know? So, but it was it was great hearing their stories, you know, and... I just know there's so many cycles that are going to get broken that they kind of grew up through. Yeah. So it was a beautiful thing. And it's something that now, like going forward, I'm definitely doing this every class. I was about to say, does that yeah. ever make you like kind of hearing that? You said this was the first time. Yeah. Was that, was there ever a moment during this first experience with that, where you were reminded of your own yeah. upbringing through this, this the, journey of yours? The, the craziest thing was like that. I, I think it was probably everybody except maybe one person like basically nobody had a dad gotcha. like either had a dad and dad walked out one of the two things happened both times and i'm in the same boat yeah so it was like your dad walked out forget yep it. i think i was around seven years old and, and never seen him so like i started mine out with i don't know what's what's worse never seeing your dad or having one and never seeing him again gotcha so these were things that like we all related to and now they're like damn you really were just like me mm. You know, because some of them look at me like, 
you know, like they, they believe I'm, you know, I'm successful, things like that. And I'm like, look, you guys still see, I put this work in every single day. Yeah. So obviously I'm still not where I want to be. Like I'm still hungry. I still want it. You know, there's still things I need to get. There's still time I want with my family, you know, things like that. So, um, and it, it was just good to share and that they got a better understanding from where I'm coming from and how I grew up and things like that, because a lot of it was relatable to them. So it's just about like, I felt like they got motivated and just like, I, I really, I felt like I, now it's more important to have these, a lot more one-on-ones individually and really sure. checking in on them. Sure. Um, and I, I typically do that a lot. Um, but I, I just feel like you gotta keep doing it even more. You know what I mean? Sometimes the problem that I was running into is sometimes I take it home with me, the stress of a student like that's struggling. Gotcha. You know what I mean? They gotcha. might be going through you something. You just can't turn it off. Yeah, and, and, and it's dope. hard. That's, that's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But then it affects my mental health, too, gotcha. sometimes. And I'm at home, you know, and I got to be a dad and a husband, too. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it does affect you. So it was trying to find that border, like, where you got to kind of, like, just find that balance, you know what I mean? Somehow, yeah. some way. And it's there's no answer key to that. So <clears throat> no, there isn't. I, 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 there's there's a flip side where it's like there there are people that take work home with them when they shouldn't be, and they're not taking the good mm-hmm. stuff with them. They're just taking right. the bad stuff. Right. Then right. there's people who take the good and the bad, and like in your case, it's genuinely upsetting you that you're hearing and seeing and you're concerned. Right. And so. How do you find that? It's like a juggling act. Right, I'm sure. right. It's like, you know, I love what I do and I love these kids. And yeah. I'm, but damn, I, I'm dad now. And yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, you have a child or yep. children? I got I got an eight-year-old daughter, just okay. one. Okay. Yep. Okay. It's my princess. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A father of, I have three girls oh, and one nice. boy. Nice. Um, but I have, uh, yeah, three girls. And I've the reason why I say it is because I've always felt that um, as as fathers, to be a father to a girl, mm. it's a different it's different. Right. It really right. opens your mind right. and your world to right. things that you never thought changes of a lot. Yeah. Changes a lot of things. It, yeah. And she in the, in the best way ever is the reason I, I I've been slowing down. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Cause I could chase, chase, chase forever. But when she was born, it was like, nah, like I need to be a dad. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's my number one priority now. So like, um, now like my schedule's freeing up, I'm having more time just like, you know, I made promises to my wife before I opened the school because when I opened the school, um, what's your wife's name? Sorry, her name's Colleen. Colleen. Okay. Yep. And you know, we've been together. We're about to hit uh, May next month. Will be our 11 year wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. So May. Yeah, yeah. May 12th. So May 12th. We uh we've been together for about 18 years. So we've been she's been with me through the businesses. Absolutely, you know, yeah. and you know she's my ride or die. She she supported. You know, it's not easy being married to a barber. You know, we, or somebody that's pers- that, that that has that yeah, business, right? And she she uh she knows I'm crazy. I don't know how to sit still. <laughs> you know, she knows all that, and uh, you know, it, it's tough because like when you're in a career that doesn't pay you hourly, and the only way to get to where you want to be is you have to be available to yeah. build. If you're not available, how are you going to build? So it requires early mornings, late nights. Yeah. Well, you know, I made promises even with the school. I said, give me five years. I'm going to put our put ourselves in a position that will change our generations forever. So we in that position now, you know, with I, everything has fallen in that place. Um, now, I, you know, I can definitely scale back from cutting hair, take more time off. 
Um, we got great systems in place. I'm always going to cut. I'm always going to teach, things like that. But now it's like uh, my daughter just turned eight, you know, yeah. a month ago. So it's going to soccer practice, going to yeah. basketball, being a coach maybe. Yeah. She she volunteered me for a chaperone that I had to get like 16 clearances just to go on. <laughs> that took forever. And I, I had a full day booked. I had to cancel all my appointments, but I, I wouldn't change it for the yeah. world because – all these years of hard work was to be able to do these things, you know, to be the dad, you know, yeah. so. And she's still young. So right, right. Yeah. And, and that's why it's, there. there's no better feeling than being a dad to me, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's what all this is for. And she's my number one student, that it's so important that I teach her every and anything I can yeah. to, to prepare her for this world that she's going to enter into, you know? So yeah, there's been a couple of posts I saw um, that you shared with her where she's learning how to cut hair. Yep, yep, and it's like, yeah. Okay. So that's, yep. that's, that's the, that's the goal is when you have a, a love for something that you do and, and you're blessed enough to have children to share that with right, them. Right. I'm sure that's gotta be. A dope yeah. Family. Yep. And she's, she's just such a great kid. You know, she got, She's really nothing like me or her mom. Yeah. Like, I believe she kind of got my drive right now. Like, she's okay. she's very determined kid, but um, she just got the personality. Like, I'm more laid back and shy, so is my, <laughs> my wife, where she's that outgoing, life of the party type of person. Where'd that come from in your I don't, family? I don't, I don't you know. You mentioned your mama's boy. Is your mom the outgoing uh, personality? I mean, my mom's not too shy, but <laughs> she's, she's different, you know, and I love that about her, you know, so... You know, I just try to like, every, you know, I constantly try to do what I can to bring the best. Out. I challenge her um, and just, you know, try to make her a good person, well-mannered. But really, I really push work ethic and drive right now, like to to make sure no matter like uh, we had a couple of situations that happened recently with her that I, that really the eye opener happened. Like she was late on learning how to ride a bike. Okay. All right. So the the training wheels came off last year. She didn't practice enough. She still wasn't riding. Um, and I hope someday she's not mad at me for sharing this. <laughs> but um, you know, there, there's a positive at the end. So there she, I took her out two weeks ago. I I said, listen. She said, Dad, I want to be a bike rider. I said, all right, but we got we got to practice. And I said, you know, you're gonna fall someday. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. You gotta get back up. Things like that. She said, all right, so we're practicing. We're seeing a little progression. And she breaks down. She said, Dad, why can't I be like everybody else? Like, why do I not know how to ride and everyone else does? And I was like, I said, there's a lot of things that you can do that a lot of people can't. And I said, don't compare yourself to others. And I said, you got to understand, like, nothing's going to come easy. You have to work for it. So every day for, like, I think it was four straight days, there's a church across the street from my house. I was like, we're going to go to the parking lot. We're going to ride this bike. She starts riding, right? And... She's doing okay, so that I'm just practicing straight roads. And then I said, look, tomorrow we're going to try to work on a turn. The next day we're going to really focus on your brakes, things like that. Yeah. And she starts riding. She's riding. She looks at me, and she's like, Dad, am I a bike rider? <laughs> I'm like, you're a bike rider right now. And she, she just had the biggest smile ever. And then before I put her to bed, I was like, let me ask you, would you rather have just woke up and just started riding, or was it better that you earned it? Because you worked oh, at it every cool day. That you asked her that, yeah. And, and she said, she said, Dad, it felt so good that that I that I practiced and and I made it happen. I said, Listen, that's the rest of your life. Yeah, like that's how that's what you're gonna have to do. Um, and like right the next day, we went back again. She took the first spill. Yeah, knees bleeding. Yeah. So I'm run, She's kind of far away from me. So I run over 
She's crying. I'm like, hurry up, hurry up, get on your bike and ride back to the car quick. And she's cry riding. Oh. She's like, Dad, she she was like Debo from Friday when he took yeah. the bike. He crying on the way home. And she's like, Dad, why am I riding? I said, because when you get knocked down, you got to get back up right away. And I said, did you still make it to the car? She said, yeah. And I said, okay, you, you alive, right? And she said, yeah. I, I said, okay, let's go take care of it at home. You're going to be fine in the morning. So just with those little lessons, like I try to do a lot of lessons and like challenges yeah. like that so she thinks mentally. Cause you know this world ain't a great place that these our kids are entering into, so it's just trying to mentally prepare her. Yeah, it's scary, right? And just put those things in their mind that hopefully will help them throughout their life to make sure that you know they can stand up for themselves, things like that, and know how to get in and out of situations in the right way too. You know, so yeah. just little, little tests all the time for me. She's gonna get yeah having those experiences um, as a father where it's like you know I, I need to. I need to give you, I I don't want to say tough love. It's something that used to be said, but for me now, it's kind of just like, I'm trying to teach you how to be strong. Right. Right. Um, But, but, but also there's, I don't know how your experience is, but mine is there's like this, I, I, I I want to shower you and comfort you because you're my little girl. Right. But I also want you to be strong. Right. And so it's like this like delicate dance of, I don't want to be the helicopter parent. Yeah. With my little girl. Yep. But like you right. said, jump back on the bike. Yep. Let's go. But is there ever a time where you're just like, oh, what's my girl right there? Don't you? Yeah. So, you know look, what I mean? This, this is what, so that's this, how I am. I guess maybe yeah, that's me. No, that. it's, it, it's definitely, I mean, I only been a dad for eight years. So I only got eight years of experience. Um, so, what happened in the car ride home is, you know, I made her get back up to just prove to herself that, you know, if you get back up, if you fall, you can get back up and you're going to be OK. But then in the car ride home, I was like, listen, it's it's OK to fail. Yeah, it's OK to cry. Like you you have emotions. and So do I. So I'm not I didn't tell you to get up to stop crying. I never told you to stop crying. Cry. Let it out. Yeah, because this ain't the last time you're going to cry. So I want her to, like, understand that. Being happy is great. Being sad is something that you're going to have to deal with and understand how to get through it. And by you going through experiences like this, it's going to prepare you for each thing that happens in your life. But just by a little bit every time, you know what I mean? So I just hope she takes something from and I kind of keep reinforcing like if she's mad, it's not always like, oh, let me comfort you and give you this or let you watch that. No, go ahead. Let them emotion out. You got to get it out. I don't want to just blindside you with a gift or something to like repair it temporarily. Right. We didn't fix it. Yeah. You know, so I want you to feel the pain of what you're going through and you're going to be fine. And then the next time something happens, you're going to pull something from you going through it rather than avoiding it with a gift or something. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm a big believer on teaching first before I give her. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I only have one child, so I can spoil my child. Yeah. I do take care of my child, but before anything given, it's, there's always a lesson. There's it's something that's always taught first. Yeah. Because I need to make sure when I'm not here, she can get it for herself and she knows how to do it, that it wasn't just handed to her as well. You know what right. I mean? It's also teaching them to appreciate Right, things. right, and value even yeah. a dollar, you know? So uh, those things are just it's good lessons, and I, I'm just glad that she's super receptive with these things and she – uh She's a good listener, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a beautiful thing, though. So no, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just wanted to bring it up because you do share posts with her, and it's it is very clear that you have a tremendous amount of love for your yeah. daughter. And so, 
you know, like I said, as a father of girl, my oldest, she'll be 21 in November. My son's 16. And then I have a four-year-old daughter. It'll be five in October okay. and a two-year-old okay. girl. So I'm all over the place here. Right, right, you know, right. But, right. but I, I, I can say that, you, you know, you said only for eight years. But I, I feel like you're doing a phenomenal Thank job you, I appreciate just going that. about it. Because there is no handbook. Right, right. Especially with parenthood. It's, it's almost like you go off of what you've uh, learned as a child watching your parent or right. parents. And then you say, well, there are some things I liked and there are some things I don't right, like. Right, right. And I'm just going with my gut feeling. Right, right. Um, one of the things I like to do to wrap up my interviews is, you know, considering everything we talked about is the game plan for, for the future. Right. Um, like where, where do you see you, you've, you've accomplished a lot. Like I, I feel like what you're doing now is what most people would say, well, in five years, I'd like to be doing it. You got the school, you got yeah. the barbershop. So what's the game plan for Alec Corso and, and cutting edge? Are you, is there more shops is there is there something else totally different right. from barbering that you want to get into um so i do have a scalp micropigmentation business too so that's yeah, where you kind of tattoo that. hair so and that's like that's like the hot shit right now. yeah yeah so we train at our school we offer certifications for that and we i also do it um so the the next couple of years i mean for me like right now the next thing that's happening in may 1st we're starting a second shift um, at my school. So that's going to be kind of, we're going to go through a lot of changes. So it's double the students. So double the students, more headaches usually, you yeah. know, not necessary yeah. from our students, but just like staffing, just is there business coming in for them to cut? There's a lot of things that I have to worry about and work on to make sure that I deliver the best education I can to them guys and girls, things like that. Um, but for me personally, like I'm really trying to get my life back. You know, I don't want to say, I've been a slave to my business, but I mean, I put, sure, you know, yeah. I, I've lost friends. I, I've lost, I missed out on things. Um, but essentially like I love what I do, you know? So I don't really feel like I missed, like it was a choice for what I love. Um, but I, but I, with losing friends, I want to reconnect with people. Um, I lost hobbies, you know, so I don't really have many hobbies. So it's like really trying to find myself. Rediscover who you yeah, are. Yeah, and what I want to get into, my interests, and really like scaling back from work a lot. Um, and just kind of like, you know, I tell my students all the time, the owner of Walmart doesn't work at Walmart. Yeah. I said, so someday <laughs> the owner of the cutting edge isn't going to work at the cutting edge. Yeah. All right. So the uh, I'm always going to be in there no matter what. And it's not like I'm ready to step away or anything like that. But I'm really trying to focus on my family life, yeah, um, and just really myself too, and just get get back to kind of being normal. Like recently, I started taking off every other Saturday, and I haven't had a Saturday off since high school. Wow! So it's like working over twenty something years without having two days off back to back because my yeah. shop was open six. It's open six days a week, so just really like working smarter, not harder. Um, I do want to get one more property at some point. Um, I'd love to buy a beach house at some point. There you go. So just trying to, I got the mountain house and try to get the beach house. Is that something to rent out or something for you and your wife um, to kind of enjoy? On the... So for both of them, yeah. I mean, I'm a businessman. So there you go, if right? I can get it paid off through Airbnb in go. 10 years and then we just do what we got and it's ours and I want to keep these in my family, give yeah. it to my daughter. Um, I would love to do that. Um, there definitely is the possibility of buying a bigger school. Uh, we only have 13 chairs. So with a night shift, our max would be 26 gotcha. students in a day. So the goal is if I can get a school that holds 30 chairs and maybe only have one shift, 
then okay. we're getting more in one shift with less not having to do double the staffing, yeah. double the responsibility. And if things are going great, we can go to 60, you know? So it's things like that, but I'm not in no hurry with those things. Like I said, like we just got financially last October. So just really trying to, you know, just try to get, I really want to travel a lot. Like, my two favorite things in life is probably traveling and eating. Okay. So I like to eat like good. Go eat where you travel. Yeah, now. just eat good <laughs> and, and just go experience the world, like go to different yeah. countries and things like that. Like I, I really want to travel every three months. I want to be out the country somewhere every quarter. I would rather do that than have materialistic things. That's the things that I love. So I want to plan for those things. I look at things like that as like a math problem. What puts, what will equal that, like that, that gift? You know yeah. what I mean? So that's what I'm really want to do. So the goal is to travel six times a year. Yeah, you know what I mean, and just really just keep keep doing that and seeing life. And then I uh, I might end up getting into some YouTube things like that. Um, try to do some online things for barbering stuff like, like that. Tutorials or so possibly like a subscription based type okay, of thing. Yeah. Um, an online academy. Okay. Um, things like that. Um, nothing set in stone because I mean that's a lot of work to do those things. Sure. But if I do it, I got to you know I want to do it right. So, but right now I told my wife like, I'm not doing anything because like every year it's been something I was doing like throwing a hair show in the city I did or something or competing or something. It's always been something I was chasing every year. So I'm trying my best not to do nothing and just kind of yeah. kind of get. How is that? How easy is that to turn that off? It's. Um, it's gotta be hard because you've been you're naturally- I mean I'm competitive you know yeah. and I don't know who I'm competitive with it's really myself yeah like I just I just I don't know I always see that clock and like I just want to try to achieve and do everything before it hits zero so it's just it's hard like even like you know I'm thinking about I mean my clients probably don't want to hear this right now but I kind of probably going to raise my price so it, I can kind of lose happens, though. so I can kind of lose like I'm booked out for. That's not the first out. time I've heard that a barber yeah. say that though. Yeah, like I'm I'm currently booked out a month in advance. Yeah, and kind of rule of thumb if you're booked, you're too cheap. Yeah, so I need to kind of raise my price to kind of like not cut as much because the other businesses are requiring more of me. Yeah, so I need to do that to free up the time. But the problem with that, it's not about. You know, it's not about like the client, the clients, but the biggest thing for me is like that it's bittersweet is that it's it's kind of coming to an end, my cutting, like where it's not going to be nearly as what it's been. Yeah. And the the thing that I'm having issues with is the relationships that I really value, those conversations with yeah, my customers. Man. That's like, a lot of people. Like that's priceless. Like, and I would, I would just like miss not seeing this guy every Friday at this time. Like, so it's like, it's just kind of scaling back and like. Like I, I I've been meaning to put it on my site for like two months out, like effective this date. Yeah, these are the new things, and I haven't done it. Like, and I as I was supposed to do it two weeks ago. So, and it just I don't know what's stopping me, but it's just it's that fact that like I have to, I'm stepping away almost. Yeah. you know what I mean. And it's bittersweet because this is all I know. It's like the the proverbial tale of like you know when somebody retires, uh, or when like the athlete retires and they. Yeah. They have a hard time leaving. Right. Because yeah. It's like that's all you know. And that's, that's exactly what's it's happening. It's been your life. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. So it's not that I'm leaving for good. And like I yeah, said, but I'm always going to cut. It's a change of but, pace. But things are, they have to get cut down in order for me to grow other things. You sure. know what I mean? To work smarter, not harder. Sure. Oh, and you also have, you like you said, you want to honor and respect your personal life right. and your family time. That, and that's coming first. It has so, to. Right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, 
you saying it like that, that's got to be the motivation to do it. There you, know? you go. So, yeah. 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 Well, I love it, man. I, I, I appreciate the listening to this story because like I said, when I started this interview, it's the, especially now in the social media world, it's easy to look at something to go like, wow, like this is, this is the life. This is, this can't be that hard. Look what they're doing. And, right. But there's more pieces to the puzzle that people don't see. Right. Right. And it's also that caveat, which is like, you got to want it. Right. You got to be willing to work 140 days straight. Right. You got to be willing to not do anything but this for years right where that you're eating and breathing and thinking yeah and there's no, and and the dope thing about it too is finding that partner in your life to come on board and deal with the good and the bad but also see that vision with right, you right because you don't feel like you're being pulled away from your passion right because right. the end result really is like you said wind down and spend time with those that you love absolutely so Congratulations, you! I think you're there, bro. No, man, I, well, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I I I love uh, I love talking to people from the area. That's what this podcast is. It's you know what what are you doing to get uh to get to where you want to go, and what have you done to get to where you are now? What, what have you been through? So right, this is just another chapter in the Journeyman Chronicles. I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. This is it. I'm at Corso. Thank you so much, sir, for stopping by for sharing your incredible journey. I wish you nothing but more success. I think you know what you're doing, though, dog. I mean, you've already proven that. 20 years in the game, uh, there's a lot more levels that I'm sure you want to achieve. Like you said, seven uh, ways of income, seven sources of income to become a millionaire. I've heard that before from Ariana Chanel earlier in the podcast. It's something that I've always kept a mental note of. You've always got to reinvent yourself in regards to a businessman. And I salute you, sir, for doing that, showing the people in your area. Uh, that are following you that are inspired by you showing them something decent and positive a role model is always welcome in anybody's life so i applaud you sir thank you so much for joining me on the journeyman chronicles and hopefully we meet up with each other soon as for the rest of you y'all know the deal i gotta go i got a lot of editing to do because the next episode is coming up and you know who i'm talking to you don't well maybe you do but his name is terry and mac you might know this cat he's kind of it's kind of busy nonetheless Remember to check back in. Remember to like, subscribe, share. You know, follow the journey, man. Follow the journey, no pun intended. Trust me, JMC isn't sitting idle. We do not do that shit. We move. And until then, remember to maintain focus and stay continuous through all four seasons. My name is Felix C. Arroyo, and these are the Journeyman Chronicles. Y'all be safe. Be safe.